You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. From inside and outside, once again, the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio. This is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I'm Dave Griffiths. Joining me on the call, on the air as well, is Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. And Mike, actually, before we really get into the, the nitty-gritty, the, the meat and potatoes of this, just over the last week, um, I've been seeing a lot of on-this-date stuff, of course, flashing up on Twitter. And just over this last week, the uh, the on-this-date, the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts become the Indianapolis Colts. It was the, uh, the movement overnight in uh, the Mayflower vans from Baltimore to Indianapolis was ju- was just happened uh, 36 years ago uh, this week. So can, can you flash us back real quick before we really get into what's happening with the Colts this week to um, some of uh, your thoughts at the time? Because, I mean, you were here. You've covered the Indianapolis Colts since the beginning. So that was obviously a, a monumental day in Indianapolis sports history. Yes, it turns out I was in my closing days as a sports editor at Anderson at the time. And then they came to the star that summer when, as it turned out, they moved to training camp in, at Anderson University. It was a wild time because all the signs were that they, they weren't going to move, they were going to move, and then they were really, really close to moving to uh, Arizona. That fell through, and, and then it just kind of struck, whether it was the 28th or 29th of March when they moved. And what I, what always is funny, whenever that this date comes up and people – write stories or run clips it just it just rips the scab off of the baltimore fan base and what you want to say is get over it and that just really sets them off because no one wants to hear that and then you guys you know you stole cleveland's team and sometimes that settles them down or not but uh, what always is sobering to me is the cults have been in indy longer and played more games in indy then they were in Baltimore. So that just shows you how long ago it's been. And, you know, the Ravens have won their world championships. The Colts have won a world championship. And I guess the the, the, the advice to the Baltimore fans is not get over it, but get past it because they've been here a long time. No doubt about that. And both franchises uh, have, have a world title, as as you say. So, Plenty to be happy about from both sides for sure. So when we turn to today, obviously a whole lot uh, less uncertainty, but there is still quite a bit of uncertainty, I guess, when it comes to the upcoming NFL season for this franchise. As for this past week, we'll discuss some of the latest Colts free agent signings. You'll hear from a couple of those. Um, you'll hear from a player. You'll hear from Coach Frank Reich. Also, maybe a report that the Colts are still interested in a quarterback that could go near the top of this draft. We'll get into those details as well. And uh, Frank Reich had just a little bit to say on uh, the coronavirus impact on the Philip Rivers signings uh, from from his um, from his uh, long media uh, session that that we'll dive into ourselves. So uh, the first thing we'll we'll get into was something that happened almost immediately after we signed off the Colts Blue Zone podcast this week, finished it up, and Joe is back putting it all together, getting ready to set it online, and then boom, the Colts say, "Hey, we have this other signing. We have added depth to the secondary after cutting Pierre Desir." Um, the Colts uh, get uh, get Xavier Rhodes on a one-year deal, a three-time Pro Bowler himself, suffered a rough last couple of seasons. It was both him and then also earlier this week on Monday, the Colts signed uh, cornerback T.J. Carey to a one-year contract as well. He's a 29-year-old, has 50 starts over the last six years, played with the Browns and the Raiders. So, Mike, we knew that 
We were talking about this last week again, that once the Colts get let go of Pierre Desir, they needed secondary help, and they went out and got it with these two signings of, uh, of Rhodes and Carey. Yeah, it's funny whenever you're sitting here in the first of April or even you know last week in, in late March, you're saying, well, gosh, you cut Desir, what are you going to do? How do you, you left yourself thin, you know, Quincy Wilson's in the group, and you don't think he'll be here. What are you going to do? Well, in, in the span of less than a week, they kind of showed us what they're doing. I, and you can argue whether, you know, I thought maybe they cut Desir a little quick. I mean, the commitment last year was pr- pretty solid. Three years, 20-plus million, and then you've walked away from it uh, for whatever the reasons. They, they saved some cap space and saved some guaranteed money. And you're bringing in Xavier Rhodes on on what is a – it's a, it's one of those one-year prove-it deals. It's only like $3 million. One thing, when they've gotten past the the, the DeForest Buckner big extension and, and the Rivers big signing, these have all been very, very uh, modest contracts for ten. Sheldon Day, the Warren Central tackle, is like one year, a little over a million. Rhodes is, is you know, three million bucks one year for a three-time Pro Bowler. Who's, again, looking for a bounce back? That's that's pretty reasonable. Uh Carry is is one year, a little over a million. So so they're really doing what they've normally done. They've looked for that second tier talent uh, because you you need depth, and they needed depth and experience in the secondary, and that's what these guys bring. The interesting thing, thing about Carry is he's a, uh, a experience in as a nickel in the slot, and remember how that defense kind of uh, tailed off when Kenny Moore went down last year. So. They're really addressing the entire roster now after really going big time with uh, Rivers and, and Buckner. Uh, that was something that Kerry mentioned specifically during during his little session with the media, saying that hey, he, he loves playing in the slot. That inside is kind of his favorite, even though he likes both inside and outside, that uh, being inside provides a unique challenges. Um, it also lets you blitz a little bit more, as we've seen with Kenny Moore over the past couple of years, being able to get in the backfield and get to the quarterback. So, so yeah, like like, like you mentioned, Mike, the, the Colts defense, it wasn't just Kenny Moore, that, that his absence that made the team trail off down the stretch, but but it was certainly not uh, not separate from, from Kenny Moore's absence that defense trailed off down the stretch. So um, let, let's get into uh, Xavier Rhodes specifically. We have his entire interview with the local media. So, Joe, let's get in. Let's hear that uh, interview from Xavier Rhodes right now after signing to become an Indianapolis Colt. I know you played a lot of uh, man-to-man traveling with receivers and stuff with the Vikings. How much, uh, how much zone did you guys play? Uh Last previous year, we played a ton of zone, cover two uh, quarters and uh, cover three. So, I mean, football is just protecting the boundaries. Now, I'm, I'm I'm not afraid of going into this team and trying new things, but also, you know, I know the coaches know that my strength and um, we're going to work on both playing their game and also playing mine, mixing, mixing both into it so I could be comfortable being myself and playing in the game. And also, those guys could be comfortable calling the plays they want to call. Zach, you want to go? Hey, Xavier. Um, what were the last two years like for you, and were you surprised that the Vikings were ready to move on, and, and how did this all play out with the Colts the last couple of weeks? Um, last two years, you know, it's been a battle, uh, especially with injuries. So, you know, with that, I'm just – it moves on. I mean, eventually, you know, I didn't know at the, in the beginning that the Vikings wanted to move on, but then it hit me later on. I eventually figured it out and found out, but 
like I said, it's a new chapter. I'm with the coach now, and I'm willing to work with this organization and fight and try to win this team uh, championship and lead this lead the DBs. Um, let them play to the best of their ability. How did the uh, free agency process play out for you? I'm assuming this is the first time you've really gone through it like this. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I can't. It's it was a surprise to me because it's basically my first time. It's actually a hard feeling to explain because, like, I can't explain it at this very moment because it is my first time. But it was an eye opener to the point where, like, you know, you at a point you don't have a job for what a couple of days, a couple of weeks. So it's like, dang, like, I didn't ever thought. I'll never be to this point, but then again, you have to realize where you're at. This is the NFL, it's a business. So right now, I just accepted the fact, and I'm ready to move on and play for Indy. Steven Holder. Hey, Xavier, how you doing? Um, uh, you know, you just kind of hit on this a little bit uh, just a moment ago, but um, did you – were you surprised to get cut? Or and, and, and how much – you mentioned injuries. I mean, how much of your performance – it was scrutinized a lot last year. How much of it do you think was just struggling with injuries, especially at a position where, you know, you, you do have to cover so much ground? Um, you know, it just – it was more to it, but, you know, it was mostly injuries. So, by that being that, you know, it's football. You know, you out there playing, you can't make no excuses for yourself. When you're on that field, you just got to play to your full best ability. And, um, and last year was my best season, so I accepted that. And now that the Vikings moved on from that, I'm playing for I'm playing for the coach. Do you feel like um, – I, I take it you feel like you, you got something to prove. I mean, like, I think there's probably some people that think your story is – maybe written already, you feel a little differently, I imagine? <laughs> I mean, you can't really pay attention to people. If football is football, man. You're going to always face challenges in this game. Each and every week, you got to prove yourself, you know, um, to, to someone and to yourself because each and every week is a new challenge. You can't be settled in this game. So um, by that, you know, that comes with the territory. That comes with the game at the same time. So I don't feel like I need to prove myself to anyone but myself. All right, Mike Chappell. Yeah, Xavier, I don't want to misrepresent this, but do you look at this as a fresh start? Definitely. And, and, and did the process – I mean, you came in first-round pick and Pro Bowls. Is it humbling to, to all of a sudden be told we're moving on? Um, Is it humbling? I mean, <clears throat> I don't know how to answer that question. I mean, like I say, you, didn't, you, ain't, you don't go in – thinking, you know, you're going to be cut or you don't go in thinking, you know what I'm saying, the team. When you had a team and you achieve so much at one team, you know, you just think that's going to be forever. But then it's reality check and you realize, hey, you know, it's time to get on it. It's time, like, this is a business at the end of the day. No one is safe, no matter who you are, no what player you are. As you can see, as many other players we can use as, uh, as examples. But uh, like you say, it's just a reality check to the point where, you know, no one's irreplaceable in this league. You always have to be on your best best behavior you always have to prove yourself each and every week each and every year and every week is a new year every every year is a new every year is a new year so you have to no matter if no matter what you did last year or the year before it's all about what you're doing this year and the previous year is coming um we'll go george bremer how much have you gotten a chance to look at this colts defense and, and what are your first impressions um Honestly, not much, uh, but I'm guaranteed I'm going to look at it. Uh, there's some people I know that's down here in Florida that I, I need to uh, go sit down and watch some film. But right now, with everything going on at the moment, you know, it's just holding us back. But like I, say, like I said before, and I spoke on it before, like 
we're going you always gonna find a way we're professional, so we're always gonna find a way to to uh make up the for the lost time. All right, uh Kevin Bowen. Xavier, I know it was a while ago, but uh did you think the Colts were gonna draft you coming out of Florida State? I think you were the the pick right behind them. Uh yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. And then follow up, um, outside of injuries, what else do you point to in that you need to get um, fixed to get back to that level you were at 2017? Um, playing ball. Playing better, I guess. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I mean, just playing better, man. Um, like I say, man, if you watch the film, you know, it wasn't that I was getting beat anything. I just couldn't get the ball out, the hand, out of the receiver's hand. I was on every receiver. I was covering just the point of getting, you know, making – getting the ball out of their hands and that's what I've been working on this year and just locating the ball a lot faster and reacting to the ball a lot faster than I was last year. Um, all right, we'll go Phil B. Wilson. Hi, Xavier. Um, it's my understanding that the Vikings were, they were going to offer to bring you back or they had made an offer to bring you back, but you chose the Colts. Is that true? Uh, I just want, I mean, I'm like the Colts, so that doesn't really matter. So the thing is, you know, I'm just – I decided to do it the coach. It doesn't really matter if they offer or did they give me the same amount of money. Just the fact that, you know, I feel like, like you said, it's a first new start. I just wanted to go somewhere else and, and just start all over. Familiarity with the coach here, I understand. There's a coach here. Allen, yeah, Allen and JG. That makes a difference? I mean, yeah. I mean, spoke to JG in the whole uh, fragrancy process and – um. Yeah, he knows me as a player. He knows what I'm about. And then, like I say, if I won, I won the first start, and that was the guy I chose to choose to be with because he understands me as a player when he was at Minnesota with me, him and Allen. Thank you. Uh, Zach Kiefer. Xavier, were you uh, impressed with the amount of interest you got in free agency or disappointed? What was that like for you? Oh, man, I was impressed. But at the same time, like I said, I chose Indianapolis, so – that's the team I chose at the end of the day. So it don't really, doesn't really matter how I feel about other teams. It's not about the team I chosen at the uh, at the very end. Why did you choose the Colts? Uh, because I was uh, – <laughs> because uh, um, JG and Allen, the coaches I knew that knew me and know what type of player I am. Uh, let's go uh, JoJo. Uh, hey, Xavier. Uh, wanted to ask if you've set any goals for yourself ahead of this upcoming season. I mean, yeah, I did. I was always goals. I set goals for myself each and every year, you know, and, uh, and I try to achieve those goals every year. So, I mean, I believe almost every person in life set goals for themselves. They try to achieve something and want something in life. In order to do that, you have to set goals. And um, and I always want to achieve something each and every year I play football. So, yes, I set goals. Yeah, I mean, anything in particular, especially coming off the circumstances that um, you've been under? Play better. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll go uh, Taylor. Taylor Tannenbaum. Yeah. Um, I know you're down south right now. I know Kenny Moore is obviously a, a key leader right now on this unit. Have you had a chance to connect with him? I know he's he's down south as well. Have you had a chance to touch base with any of the DBs? And do you have any opportunity to meet up with him yet? Uh, not yet. Um, actually, he reached out, and um, like I'm home with my family, so uh, I've been doing a lot of family things, but definitely going to have an opportunity to sit down and talk. Uh, 
let him know what I know about the game and try to understand him as a player. He understand me as a player and um, try to work with him and um, do what we can, just try to build a bond. Um, and Greg Doyle? Hey, Xavier, you've gotten the uh, softball so much so far, so here comes the fastball. That dog barking in the background, is that yours? No, definitely. Not no your dog? Not, no dogs. <laughs> That's all no I pets. got. I want to know what you had. Cat person? No pets. All right. Anyone else have one before, uh, before we sign up? Uh, go ahead, uh, hold, Stephen Holder, and then we'll go to chat. Hey, uh, Xavier, I, I know that uh, one of the things the Colts said they really liked about your game is that you're very physical, very willing to tackle, uh, and that is something that they really demand from the corners here. Did you guys talk about that much at all, and, and how much a part of your game is that? I mean, that's my game. And also, I mean, they watch film and people. I mean, you guys know if you watch my game, that's me as a player. I'm a physical guy. I'm an aggressive guy. I'm not afraid to come out and make the tackles. So by them reaching out and knowing who, knowing me, they know what they were signing. So if that's what they wanted, that's what they're going to get. Chap, did you have one? Yeah, real quick, Xavier. Again, I asked uh, Sheldon Day this. We're in strange times, obviously. You may not meet these guys, your, your teammates, and work out with them until June, July. Is how does it take for a secondary and a defense to come together when you may be on a short uh, time? Are you blacked out for a second? Can you repeat your question, please? Yeah, I mean, with the time with the time we're in, where OTAs and all that, we don't know the schedule. How long is it going to take and how much of a detriment is that going to be to building the chemistry that the defense may need? Not may need, but does need. Uh, with the circumstances right now, I mean, we got to go with the time we have. We got to figure out a way, you know, even if it's have to be through the Zoom or, you know, meet with the guy that's in South Florida or anything. We have to work what we have and we have to try to build a bond in chemistry and teach each other our techniques and what we need to be, the placements and each calls and um, – our alignments and each calls and uh, the adjustments we have to do in certain certain defenses what we call know the weaknesses and defenses and everything. So, I mean, we just like this what we're doing now. If we have to go on Zoom or, or call each other on Facetime or something, no matter what it is, we have to figure out a way to come together as a team. So when the time comes for us to go on that field and play on Sunday, we can be on one accord. That was cornerback Xavier Rhodes with the Indianapolis media. We mentioned Mike before, three-time Pro Bowler. He's an All-Pro, but uh, the last two years, even even he admits, are, have not been up to his standards right now. Um, so what what do you think the Colts should expect from Xavier Rhodes? If indeed he's been injured the past couple of years, this is a guy that it, it could be a modest contract that turns into a, a very impactful player if everything goes well. Well, he should be motivated. I mean, this is a guy, he's, was he 28, 29 years old? Uh, seven years in the league, and he knows this is a, a, a fresh start. He, he was quick to admit that, you know, last year wasn't a good year. He, he said, I was there on all coverages. I just couldn't break up passes. We'll see. I mean, it, it, that's kind of what you say. But, uh, again, they're getting a guy who is still relatively young, brings experience, and when he's played well, he's played at a very high level. They want physical corners, which what he is. He's a strong run support. He's always piled up tackles, uh, and he if he can approach these, put these last two years behind him and approach what he used to be, then they've got a pretty solid player. Now, again, I think that he's got something to to, to prove to to, refit, to fill Desir's spot because Desir had 
he, he was solid two years ago. Then he, he had the injuries last year. But again, it's, it's not a major investment, and it gives you that depth when you've got or and you've got Rocky Seen, who really showed a chance to be a solid NFL corner. So again, it's a great addition. And at the very least, Xavier Rhodes is motivated because this one year, three, you know, one year, three year, $3 million deal, it can be much, much more, probably not here, but elsewhere next year. I have a couple of thoughts on Xavier Rhodes. And one, the first thing that comes to mind when, when you say his name is, uh, to me, he was taken uh, back in that the same draft that the Colts took uh, Bjorn Werner. And what was that, the 2014 draft? Exactly, Mike. The, the the pick right after Bjorn Werner, and so like it, it just it it's a name that pops into my head, especially because that's a time the Colts were also still kind of looking for cornerbacks at that time. They had Vontae Davis on the roster, but it was like ah oh, maybe they could have gone with either one of those. And well, now Xavier is going to be a Colt, Mike. I think it was in thirteen two thousand thirteen draft. Okay, Werner was twenty five and and Rhodes was twenty six. One thing that I had to look up that was the offseason the Colts invested big time. In another corner, in another safety, Laron Landry. So, so maybe they thought they had done th- their work there. But uh, yeah, it, it's funny how revisionist uh, hindsight you like to say. You know, what? If, if we had done this, if you take that, then maybe the Bears wouldn't be stuck with Mitchell Trubisky and other two quarterbacks are doing elsewhere or doing things elsewhere. Right. You you can only uh, re, 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 revise so much history before it, it turns you crazy, really, right now. But and, and my other thought about Xavier Rhodes and myself, I, I, I covered him back when he was in college. I was working in Tallahassee, Florida at the time. He was at Florida State. Uh, he was part of, of a heck of a secondary back there that uh, played at the same time as Jameis Winston led Florida State to that national championship, the final BCS championship. And um, so so from my knowledge of his game that goes all the way back to his college days, I know that Xavier is very similar to both the Colts' young cornerbacks, Rakisin and Marvell Tell. Tell, Tell is like they are; their body types are are virtually the same. They're both big guys, tall guys that um, that need to be able to use their size to their advantage in the secondary. And Xavier has done it over his career in the NFL very well. And, and he's similar to Rakisin in the fact that Xavier is a very physical cornerback. Uh, he, he, he likes to be in your face. He is, has no problem with press coverage. Man to man is fine. I don't know his strength in the zone is because I've never really watched him all that much in the zone, but I followed his career a little bit going on to the pros because I knew him in his college days. I liked him in his college days. I thought he was a good player back then. And, and now, now he gets the opportunity to really, to really take these younger guys, Rocky scene, Marvell tell under his wing and help guide them to being hopefully the best cornerbacks they can possibly be. So even if even if Xavier doesn't turn into everything he uh, he has been on the field, I still think that this move is one that can certainly pay dividends off the field, as Xavier has been where these other young guys are trying to get to. And you know, he, he's a guy that can pass on his knowledge well. I think, guys, both uh, Joe and Mike, if either of you want to chime in, that this, this is going to be a, a, a beneficial signing in the long term. And they're and they were they're looking for experience in the locker room. Now I I don't know what kind of a locker room guy he is. I have no idea. But let's go back to when Ballard after the season how he wanted more. He called it friction. I think Frank Wright considers that competition. Uh, so that's what they're that's what they bring in. Again, Buckner uh, from from a championship level team. 
Uh, Rhodes has played at, at playoff level uh, competition for a long time. So, and, and even Kerry, th- th- this is a seven-year veteran. Now it's win with Oakland and Cleveland, so you know modest success. But you're you're adding veteran presences to a very what's still a very very young defense. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, is there there's no I'm going to write about this later in the week. I don't believe there's any defensive players existing pre-Ballard. I think the only one that was here was Clayton Gathers, and now he's gone. So this is an entirely made-over defense. A lot of it from the last two years when you can Hunt's gone, Joel Shear's gone. Very, very young. uh, I don't say inexperienced because they've played, but a very young defensive uh, room. Yeah, and I I really like what this does for the Colts as far as the draft. We were kind of talking last week, is cornerback one of their biggest needs now? We're three weeks out from the draft. All of a sudden, this kind of frees them up and gives them that flexibility to, you know, pick the best player available or at least the best receiver available because that seems to be the only position they really haven't addressed yet. Um, So, you know, is he an upgrade over Desir? It's hard to say. I guess a lot of that would depend on health. Um, of both players. Both players have dealt with injuries. But I think the combination of Rhodes and Carey, um, when compared to this year, I would say I feel a lot better about that secondary now. And, and now, uh, like you mentioned, the draft flexibility for sure. Uh, that's something we talked about last week, about needing needing to beef up that secondary. Now, certainly not quite as, uh, quite as dire straits back there uh, in the secondary. But there is a possibility that the Colts are still in play for one certain uh, quarterback that uh, many draft boards have taken in the top 10, top 15 of the draft. Um, NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reporting that the Indianapolis Colts are one of several teams that have been in contact with Jordan Love through FaceTime and other virtual methods leading up to the draft. Of course, teams are doing their due diligence on players for sure, but nevertheless, um, Jordan Love is a name that has come up in the past. We know that Chris Ballard went to a Utah State game over the last year because I, I think a reporter like tweeted out, hey, there's Chris Ballard, and uh, made it made the rounds on Twitter. So it, whenever the GM is out looking at a quarterback, that kind of perks your, perks your, gets your attention, uh, grabs your attention is what I'm looking for. And uh, now that the Colts still are in contact with Love, Mike, this is not an option that they are completely giving up upon just yet, uh, even though it, it seems unlikely that the Colts would have to would be able to get all the way up into the top 10 or top 15 if indeed that's how high love is going to go. You agree? Yeah, that, that's again, this is the old due diligence. And keep in mind that when when they settled on uh, Philip Rivers, they also Frank Reich was very open about this. They, they took a deep dive into uh, Tom Brady. Remember, he said he went through the last two years of Tom Brady. This is what you do. Could be that Frank doesn't have a lot of else to keep himself busy right now. But th- this is what you do because I think I saw uh, still a lot of these draft mock drafts have got four quarterbacks going early. I mean, early. So, you know, top 10, top 15, which uh, I think maybe Frank may have talked about this to where about the trade at 13. I think they were convinced that there wouldn't be a quarterback either there at 13 or worth moving up into the top 10 to get. So maybe you've taken yourself out of play for those top four. Although who knows, maybe these guys believe a guy that most 
plays uh, draft guys have listed six and or five and six is one of their top four. So, but you have to be ready. W- would they move back into the, the bottom of the first round? Possibly, although I don't think they want to give up draft picks. But you know, like we've talked about, the force Buckner takes care of your defensive line. Maybe that's what thirteen was going to be anyway. And Xavier Rhodes takes care of the corner that, that you created when you got rid of Desir. And now thirty-four and forty-four. If you just spitball, you would think it's quarterback, receiver, receiver, quarter, and then tight end maybe in in round three. So their their free agency moves so far in the trade has given them the flexibility to now in that second round look at those. I still think quarterback is an area of need. I mean, best case is your quarterback for two years. You've got to have that developmental guy, and that's probably what a you're going to get at the top of the second round as a developmental guy. And if you want to trade into the top of the first round, that that is an avenue that some NFL teams have gone with in the past. And Lamar Jackson certainly seems to be working well out there in Baltimore, a team that the Ravens traded back into the first round for uh, to get and had him sit behind Joe Flacco. And now, lo and behold, uh, Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the NFL after uh, learning for 32. The 32 I think it was, yeah, I think it was the very last pick in the first round. So. Um, so th- that's an option for Chris Ballard, Frank Reich and company. Uh, and coach was uh, kind enough to join the Indianapolis media this week, uh, talking at length about many decisions. Of course, Philip Rivers, a big, big topic of discussion. People wanting to get into both um, Reich's relationship with Whit Rivers, what he ex- what we expect, what we should expect to see from Rivers over the coming uh, weeks and years, perhaps, as an Indianapolis Colts. So, uh, Joe, let's listen to head coach Frank Reich the, this week speaking with the media uh, during this uh, time that we're kind of uh, at break from usual football activities, but still trying to do as much as possible to uh, stay as normal as possible. Well, I just want to start it with a, with a quick word um, on the current health crisis that obviously we're all facing and that our country is going through with this. COVID-19 virus that we're fighting. And really just on behalf of the Colts organization, I wanted to say our thoughts and prayers are with everyone. In particular, there's two groups, right? The, the healthcare workers who are at the front lines and those who are particularly at risk, the elderly and those who immune systems are compromised. I know Linda and I, uh, as husband and wife, together every night praying diligently, especially for those two groups. So thoughts and prayers are out to you. But I also think it's a reminder um, to those uh, low-risk uh, people. Um, this is a time to be unselfish. Uh, there's a theme in the Colts, with the Colts that we talk about a lot, that everything matters. We've all been given a lot of best practices, what's the right thing to do, and some of the best practices during this time. Let's, let's all be unselfish and everybody do our part, and we can make a, a big dent in this thing. And then lastly, um, this is a time to really find healthy and safe ways to reach out and impact other people, make a difference. Uh, find ways to be able to do that, be creative, and um, and really reach out um, to, to someone that you can help at this time. Great. Thanks, Coach. All right, uh, Chap, if you want to unmute your mic and uh, get us started. Hey, Frank. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, a lot football-wise has happened since we talked to you last. Could, can you walk us through the, uh, in general, I guess, or specifics about the decision with Philip Rivers and and what you saw and maybe how that reflects on what you didn't see with Jacoby or how you want to approach that. Yeah, I think this was, this was a unique opportunity. I think, that, I think we have to acknowledge that first and foremost. And, and 
we really are, we love Jacoby. I personally believe in Jacoby. Think as an organization, we think highly of him. He did a lot of great things last year. And we had some ups and downs as a team. And we all had our personal ups and downs. Um, but this was a, this was a crazy unique opportunity. Philip, you know, who I believe is a future Hall of Fame quarterback. And I think whatever he does here in the, in the next year or two, whatever that bit is, will contribute to that career. Um, but when you, when you consider that Nick and I and Jason Michael all had a really up-close look and personal at, at this player and competitor and teammate um, for, three, for, for me for three years, Nick was with him for five years, Jason was with him for a while, went back and looked at all of his film from the last two years and didn't see any physical drop-off in his play. And um, so this was an op a unique opportunity. And it wasn't so much about what Jacoby wasn't doing. It was about an opportunity to get who, someone who we feel is an elite quarterback who can help our team. Okay. Uh, just, just a quick follow-up. I, I assume you, you gave Jacoby the heads up of what was going on. How did he react to it? Yeah, it was interesting. It's uh, interesting because uh, – you know, there's no guarantee anything happened. I mean, there's that period where we can't talk, and then there, there's the point where Chris can talk with agents and so on and so forth. But So you really can't say too much. You know, when, when Chris and I talked about it and when we talked about it with Mr. Ursay and, and what our options were and what we were thinking through, uh, we were, you know, we were content that if it was Jacoby, we were good. We were ready to go. But uh, this, this was a unique opportunity. And so when the time was right, uh, I called Jacoby, told him, hey, uh, this looks like it may happen. We talked it through. Uh, obviously, Jacoby wasn't happy about it, but um, he wasn't happy about it. But he's a great teammate. He's a great leader. We all know that. And uh, he'll, he'll, you know, I'm sure he'll be good. All right, Zach Kiefer. <clears throat> hey, Frank, how are you doing? Good, Zach. Um, chap took my question, so I'll have to um, think of another one. <laughs> So Philip comes in, and, and there's such a familiarity with him. How do you see your offense being different next year? Because it looked totally different last year than it did with, with Andrew at the quarterback spot. So I imagine it'll change again. This is your third quarterback in three years. How does he change the way you want to attack offensively? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that'll play itself out. I mean, we know, we know Philip what he's good at. Um, Philip has a really good knack. He gets the ball out quick. When you look at all the stats on how long it takes him to get the ball out of his hand, all these analytics stuff that we have, you know he's always at the top of that list. Um, but yet, he also has a unique way of making plays down the field. And he's done that his whole career. The, all the stats point to it. I've seen it firsthand. So, um, so we just need to find the best ways to utilize that. I also think Philip. Uh, you know, most people don't think about Philip being a, a good RPO guy. I think there are aspects of the RPO game that Philip will be really good at because um, there's part of the RPO game where the quarterback has the run option, but there's a lot of the RPO game that it's just quick decisions by the quarterback and being able to throw at every arm angle because you're leaving unblocked defenders. Okay, so you're leaving a, a defensive lineman unblocked, for instance, and now you're asking the quarterback to read, read a second-level player and then navigate the throw, and Phillip is really good at that. So we really think he'll excel at that as well. And then um, just the short rhythm passing game along with the down-the-field stuff are things that we'll accentuate with him. All right. <clears throat> uh, Joel Erickson? Uh, Frank, it sounds like 
chance that OTAs are going to like could not happen or going to get pushed back. I, I'm knowing you. I'm assuming you've already kind of thought through uh, what you can do to lead the team and stuff. What, what are some of your thoughts on what what you can do if that if it gets canceled or pushed back or or that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, you, you, Chris and I have talked a ton about this. I mean, we've talked a ton about it and. You know, nobody likes it. I mean, I, you, you want to be with the players. That, that's what makes coaching fun. That, that's really what it's all about. But there is, a, dare I say, a level of not excitement. That's not the right word. But um, like, how are we going to creatively gain a competitive edge? This is just another way for us to learn how to get better and for learn how to us excel. So uh, to excel. So, you know, we're, we're working through that. What does that look like? How good can we get at, at Zoom? At, you know, at presenting like this. Um, I've already been thinking and constructing team meetings via Zoom like this, when, if and when it comes to that point that we're allowed to do this. Um, you know, thinking how, we, you know, we're, we're preparing all the behind the scenes stuff for that to happen. As, as a staff, we, we meet like this. Um, offensively and defensively, I know Nick and Flus um, have have met or meeting with the offensive and defensive staffs respectively ad nauseum uh, via Zoom and really uh, trying everything out, testing things out, how we're going to teach it, all those things just to stay ahead of the curve. And then Bubba and Frankie with special teams, same thing. You know, we have a, we have a staff meeting uh, tomorrow at one o'clock, uh, you know, via Zoom where we're going to go over all these special team situations on t- a tape that, uh, that Bubba and some of the guys have made up. Um, so that's the thing about this technology. You got to use it. Uh, you got to be good at it. You, and that's what I've said to the staff guys. Hey, you got to become experts at this stuff. You need to learn every little nuance of it and find every creative way to help guys get better. All right. Uh, we'll go George Bremer next. Mm. I figure out how to unmute there. Coach, um, you mentioned while you were in San Diego that Philip was one of the most intelligent quarterbacks that, that you worked with and how quickly he, he sees things and picks up things. How much does that help with the offseason sort of being in doubt the way it is right now? It's a huge help. I mean, he knows the offense. I mean, he knows 80 or 85% of the offense, maybe more. Uh, we've changed the wording on a couple things to make it better. Um, it, you know, he's – when I tell you he's elite intellectually, he's just – he's at the top. Um, there's a rare group of guys at, you know, in the football world who I would put in that category. Not everybody gets those gifts. He has them. And, um, and so that'll, that'll be to his advantage and to our advantage, you know, as far as teaching him, he'll be able you know, when we're able to send him stuff and get him materials, it'll, he'll pick it up quickly. And then as soon as we're able to communicate with him where we can talk football, and really get in a teaching mode, it won't take long. All right. Uh, next, we'll go Stephen Holder. Excuse me, Frank. Um, I was wondering something. You know, your job, obviously, you, you got to win right now. Your job is you're in the moment. Obviously, Chris Ballard's job is always different, looking both now and ahead. So, you know, you don't have a quarterback under contract beyond this year. And I'm wondering just, you know, sort of where you're at in your head with that. I know we haven't had the draft yet, but just, um, Philip says that, you know, he's year to year, right? And I think you would expect that at 38. So just can you, can you walk us through, like, where, what your mindset is with that right now? Or is it that just fluid because we haven't had the draft? Or what do you anticipate? 
Uh, yes, uh, the, to both of those. And it, it is, it is fluid and it's not, there's no like, uh, yeah, there, as you said, Stephen, it's always a both. It's, this is not an either or question as, as you're alluding to, this is a both and question. We are trying to win now. Um, it's important to win now. Our fans know we're going to win now, but Chris does a phenomenal job um, with his staff. And when Mr. Ursay is in every loop on this thing about always taking the long road as well. Always we build through the draft. We're, we're staying in the mode. And, you know, we know with the cap room we had and the money we had to spend, we were able to make some unique moves um, that we don't usually make every year, but that can help us now. Every one of these situations, every one of these situations, there is no perfect formula year by year. Everyone is a case by case. And there's never, you can't just take the factors that go into one and say it's going to apply to the next one. It's all case by case. And we sit down and we talk about it that way. There are underlying principles behind all of it. So as far as the quarterback position is concerned, yeah, Phillips year by year, um, but we still got Jacoby uh, and we love Jacoby and we feel good about Jacoby. As far as drafting a quarterback, you know how we feel about this. We're always looking hard at the quarterbacks. There's no guarantee, you know, you identify one, two, three guys who you like, you think fit. There's no guarantee you get them because there's 32 other teams that could get them as well. So you have all those things going at one time. All right, we'll go uh, Mike Wells. Hey, Frank, um, once it became obvious that you guys may look for a quarterback, at what point as, as a head coach did you say, all right, you know, Phillip Rivers is going to be a free agent. So did you say, Chris, hey, of all the free agents, we should probably go after go after uh, Phillip to try to get him here? Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, obviously when the, you know, when it – free agency hit or when the season was over and it's like, okay, here's the guys who are going to be free. You start, you look at all of them. I mean, that's our job. That's our responsibility. Who's every quarterback that's, that's available. And let's look at the tape. Let's talk about them. And uh, obviously when it came out that Phillip was going to be available, it was an easy discussion to see that it was a fit um, with us and a quick check with Nick and I and Jason. Hey, yes, we think this guy's elite. Okay, is he the right fit? Is he physically, does he still have it all left in the tank at 38? What does he have left in the tank at 38? And, you know, just having been there on the inside for the three years I was and knowing the quarterback position like I do, I was so confident that physically he was, you know, he was the right player and that he had not lost anything. Uh, all the throws I saw on film, and as I go back and studied him compared to previous throws, um, I really didn't notice any physical gifts diminishing at all. I really didn't. So then from a locker room guy, I mean, you know how we talk about the juice in this place. This guy brings juice. And I think he's the right fit for our community. I mean, one of the things when I talked to him right away was, um, and I got to know when I was in San Diego, I got to know his family his, was over at his house several times. I know his children. Um, like, He's, he's not just coming to be on this team. He's coming to be in this community. Uh, his, his children, his nine children can't wait to move to this community. They're, they all have their Colts gear already. He's, they're buying it online. I mean, this guy is a family. This guy fits our community. I mean, it's most important that he fits our team. But I think our fans want to know that he fits who we are as a community. And so um, there were a lot of good guys out there. There were some good quarterbacks out there to look at. But this was the right guy for us. 
On, on, on a follow on that one, uh, was there any concern about when you looked at the uh, when you were looking at his game tip uh, game film last year, the 20 interceptions that he threw? Absolutely. I mean, uh, that's unacceptable. And, um, you know, and he knows that. I mean, we've all seen we've all seen the stats. I mean, we understand. I mean, you got to put them in perspective. Uh, you know, 20 is never good under any circumstance. Um, do I look at him with a critical eye? Do I look at him with an educated eye? and say, okay, I've read some of those reports that everybody puts out there that say, um, well, the number of interceptions he threw when the win percentage was this and that. I mean, we all know that this guy, he, I, can t- I, can, I can tell you firsthand, this guy's not a stat patter. He's not looking to pad stats. That as long as he thinks he has a chance to win, he's throwing the ball down the field. And when other quarterbacks might be taking check downs, He's trying to make chunk plays. And the result of that is he throws a few more interceptions. So um, that'll be a goal. You know, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, we want to greatly reduce that number. He, he knows uh, the responsibility from his position. And uh, we just think we'll have the right team around him to get that number down where it needs to be. All right, let's go. Jim Ayala. Hey, Frank. Uh, moving away from uh, quarterbacks just a little bit here. Um, the Colts, the organization, before you and, and even during your tenure here, has struggled a little bit with, uh, with injuries uh, the past few years. Wonder the guys that have been brought in from the outside, most of them have a really great track record of staying healthy, staying clean, um, staying on the field. So I was wondering, was that, was that a coincidence, those five guys that have that kind of track record, or is it something that was, you know, was part of the vetting process that you really wanted to be specific about before you brought them in? Yeah, it really is part of the vetting process. Um, you guys know how much we talk about trying to fight and to get better every day. Well, the biggest thing to get better every day is you got to be on the field practicing. And this is a, this is a violent game and there's a lot of hits. There's a lot of injuries. So there's never any guarantee of that, but um, you do find certain guys haven't have a knack for staying healthy and, um, and genetically have right, the right fit to stay healthy. So that's certainly a big factor in, in looking at guys that we bring in free agent and draft. Just to follow up, was that more just because of the injuries that you guys went through, especially, you know, at receiver last year and a few other spots, was that more of a motivator this year, you think, than, than in previous years? I think the, I think it continues to grow. I mean, you just – you realize when you go through some of the rash of injuries that you go through, you just – you realize how important it is to have guys that can stay healthy. Um, and then you say that, and you also have to acknowledge they're just things out of your control. And – the ebb and flow of the game and of the way it goes sometimes that you just get quote unquote unlucky one year or you get really lucky and you have all five guys start at the offensive line for 16 games. Um, You can't count on that every year, but that's just the ebb and flow of the game. All right. Uh, Kevin Bowen. Thanks for doing this, Frank. Um, When Chris approached you about trading the number 13 overall pick, it just kind of what was your initial reaction and what do you think of the force Buckner? Yeah. Um, my immediate reaction was, you know, knowing a little bit about the forest and knowing schematically what's important to our defense and, you know, knowing what we were had in the works with Phillip. Um, I was a hundred percent behind it. You know, when the importance of it, I remember, I remember uh, back in 2000 and, I don't know, nine or 10, Tony Dungy came back and did a clinic with our coaching staff when I was here the first time as, as a quarterback coach. And, um, and he did this clinic to the whole staff, offensive, the whole staff. And it was about the importance of a three technique in the defense. 
And, uh, you know, this was, this was a big need for us. And, and you have an elite player with, a, with elite character who fits our team. It was a no-brainer as far as I was concerned. The 13th pick is a great pick for sure. Um, but there's no guarantees what we were going to get there and uh, the amount that it would take to move up from there to think about all those other options and all the other scenarios that we talked about all of those. This was the right move the whole way. There was very little doubt or second guessing about this move. From the moment Chris brought this to me, he had already thought it through, vetted it through. And when we sat down and talked through it, I mean, I, I never wavered from it. I, I was all in on this decision from the very start. I know you and Chris, just one follow-up, I know you and Chris have talked about the wideout depth in this year's draft, but when you look at your current roster, how would you assess kind of the wideout group leading into that draft? Yeah, that's an interesting question because, you know, as, as, as a coach, you're very biased. You know, you, you try to be unbiased, but it's hard to be unbiased. Um, you know, you, you're, you're very subjective because of the experiences that you have. So on one hand, you know, I look at our receiver core, and I'm very excited about the guys we got. T.Y. is a great leader. He's a great player. He has good years left in him. So, and then, you know, the other guys we got back, we, you know, we feel can all play ball. Looking for a big year from Paris. Zach continues to, you know, turn everybody's head and prove what kind of a player he is. And then the rest of the guys we, we feel good about. But, you know, we, this is the NFL. So, we're always looking to make the team better. Um, you know, we're looking hard at every position, what that looks like. You know, we're going to – there's always that combination of addressing what you need, um, but who's the best player, you know, when available in the draft. But certainly receiver is a position we're looking hard at. Okay, let's go uh, Bob Kravitz. Uh, Frank, in the three, three years that you, you were with Philip in San Diego, what did you learn about him as a quarterback and what did you learn about him as a, as a person? I think as a quarterback, he's incredibly unselfish. He's very team oriented. He has his like, you guys have heard me talk about processing speed of your mind. Like if you're talking about the RAM on a computer, he can think so fast um, on his feet. It's crazy. He, at another level, um, I saw as a quarterback, he has elite accuracy, elite accuracy. Um, you know, the year that we were there in 13, he almost, you know, at one point we were at 70%. We got just under there by the end of the year. Um, you know, I'm hoping that we're pushing that number again this year. Um, but I, what I love about Philip as much as anything, he's a great teammate. And um, this isn't all about – I'm excited to have a guy who I think is an elite quarterback. Um, but I also know it's not about any one guy. And I don't care how good you are, uh, whether you're Philip Rivers or – or whoever you are. So uh, he'll, he'll have no ego. He'll be unselfish. He won't have any problem handing the ball off because we're still going to want to emphasize the run. Um, and we still plan on having, you know, one of the best, best rushing games in the NFL. And uh, I think he'll welcome that and he'll just compliment it. Thank you. Uh, Joel Erickson. Frank, uh, going back to the beginning of this, you're talking about the RPO. Um, does from from, an, from a defensive standpoint, do you guys lose anything with maybe teams not worrying about the threat of the run, or, or do does the the mechanics of the play essentially force the teams to play it the same way they would, even if it was you know Lamar in there? Yeah, 
Um, no, that's a good question. Uh, well, Jacoby's still on the roster. So uh, there's nothing saying that Jacoby still couldn't play some, you know, even though he's not this, even though he's not going to be the starter, there's nothing saying he still can't play. Um, you know, now, and we, we think Jacoby has some unique gifts in that way. Not, you know, we, everybody knows who Jacoby is. You know, he's not Lamar Jackson as far as speed, but Jacoby is, is tough to bring down. And so, you know, there's situations um, on the field and circumstances that, um, you know, we have a lot of trust in Jacoby. And we were really good in a couple areas last year on offense. I don't want to go into these in depth, but there were a couple uh, situational football areas that we were really good at. And that was a big part of the reason was because of Jacoby. And so, you know, we're wide open. And Nick and I have already been talking about this, you know, about, well, what does it look like if Jacoby plays five plays a game, seven plays a game? Um, you know, we're certainly talking about that, open to that, um, and we'll keep all options open, whatever we have to do to win. Hey, uh, Mike Chapel. Real quick, if I'm not mistaken, you guys would have reported April 20th? Yes. And that's obviously, who knows when that's going to be. Do you have any idea if the league's going to allow you to start having contact with players around that time, or have you been given any direction? No, I haven't, haven't been given the final word yet. Um, you know, there's been conversations. Um, there's been conversations. Uh, you know, so we're just waiting to get the final word on all that. In the meantime, we're getting ready as a coaching staff. You know, we're getting ready to go. And um, like I said, in these Zoom meetings every day, um, I'm in a Zoom meeting every day with uh, Chris. You know, Chris and his staff have a Zoom meeting every day, talking about the draft, evaluating players, and uh, you know, so I'm on with them every day on a Zoom meeting. Um, so we're getting everything ready, planning everything out. So when they give us the green light, you know, when they give us the green light to start contacting players, and let's just say, chap, we assume it's April 20th, that we say, okay, you can start talking to them. You know, and in my mind, we're getting ready like April 20th is the go date. And whether, and we know that's not going to be in person, but if that's the go date where we can do it via Zoom or whatever other tools that we have to, to contact them, then we need to be ready on that date. Okay, Zach Kiefer. Frank, did you guys consider signing Tom Brady at all, and why or why not? Um, yeah, you know, we really felt like Philip was the right guy for us. I did tell you that we did look at all the guys, and uh, I will tell you, I looked at his tape. The guy's incredible. I mean, I watched all of his tape from the last two years. I, I think he's still playing at a super, super high level. We know he's the best of all time for a reason. Um, as many championships as he won, there's, you know, there's a handful of guys like him and Peyton and, and, the, and the group that I have the utmost respect for. And uh, I, I don't understand how he's doing it. I mean, he's, he's still threw a couple balls um, in games. I, I'm saying, how's this guy throwing this ball this far? He's incredible. I mean, I have the utmost respect for him as a player or competitor and competitor. Um, you know, for us, we got the guy we thought was the right fit for us, but this is a guy who I respect and admire immensely, obviously, along with everybody else. Just wasn't a fit for you guys? Just didn't feel like the right move at this time? Yeah, I, would, I don't know if I wouldn't say it wasn't a fit. I, there's always a fit when you have a great player and when you have maybe the best player of all time. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into these things. There's a lot of factors that go into these things. And so as, as Chris and I sat down and talked about it, um, you know, this 
you know, and in fact, and it factors all over. It's his standpoint, everybody's standpoint. So, um, yeah, this the way this thing went, we felt good about the way it went. Okay, Stephen Holder. Hey, Frank, just to follow up on uh, Chef's question about contact with players and that kind of thing, um, are you guys, your training staff or anybody right now allowed to have any sort of uh, or offer any kind of direction to them, or are they just mostly on their own for the time being? I, I don't know, you know, where guys are working out or how and, and what their restrictions might be depending on where they are. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I'm not even allowed in the building. But, yeah, as my understanding is that the training staff – you know, the training staff is allowed to be rehabbing guys and working with guys at some level. Um, and, and they are doing that. And then as far as giving guys directions, working out, our, our strength staff has already, you know, when the players leave the building, um, they have a full set of instructions, um, you know, on what we, what we need to do from this time period from, from the off season until April 20th. Every day, more or less has been outlined from now until April 20th. So as more information comes available um, and the adjustments that need to be made that guys can't be working out in the building right now, some of those things have already been done and we're adapting as we go. All right, we've got three more and then we're gonna cap it at that. So we got Jim Aiello. Yeah, uh, Frank, I just want, uh, just to go back to Jacoby one more time. I, I just given your experience as a, as a backup quarterback and the guy who started and kind of went back and forth and you saw it happen with, with Nick, uh, I was wondering, is there any advice or anything you can tell Jacoby about making this transition back? And then the other question would be, do you see Jacoby, do you still see Jacoby as a star, or envision Jacoby being a starter in the NFL one day, um, be it with the Colts or somebody else? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think, well, I'll answer the latter question first. Yes, the answer to that is yes. I think that Jacoby's still learning and growing. He's a young quarterback, and uh, he played a lot of good football last year. I mean, for crying out loud, we got off to five and two start, um, which was crazy, and beat a lot of good teams in doing that. So um, I think the arrow is up. Um, you know, as far as tell me again the first part of that question again. It was just kind of the the fluctuation, going back from you know from a number two guy to starter. You've been through oh, yeah. this. You saw you saw Nick go through this. I mean, it, it's been something you have some experience with. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and we did talk about that. I mean, um, and part of the and I'm not going to tell you all the conversations. Some of that's private, and it's you know I mean it's a hard time you know when when something like this happens. But but the general principle is this, and having been through this as a player. Um, on teams that went to Super Bowls, where as I was a backup quarterback and played in games that were instrumentally important to us getting home field advantage and that kind of thing. Everybody knows what our goal is. Everybody knows that, um, you know, we all, we want to win a championship. And so the, the message is every person on the roster counts. And certainly, you know, when you look at a lot of championship teams, I don't know, uh, but to me, you better have a you better have a winning backup quarterback. You better have a guy that can step in there and win two or three or whatever, however many games it takes. Um, if the starter gets dinged up, and we have that in Jacoby, um, he's already proven that. So uh, we feel good about that. So the message to Jacoby is, you know, his contract year is up. So just have your best year. You know, whatever, whatever that looks like, have your best year this year. Um, and, and be ready to go. Those games get weighted very heavily for all the Colts nation and for, you know, for everyone. So um, I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting in one way. I know he's disappointed. It's disappointing for a backup. I won't talk specifically, but we, we all know what we're talking about. But at the same time, um, because Jacoby's such a good teammate, 
you know we're excited about the trajectory of our team and he's an important part of it. All right, we'll go uh, Kevin Bowen next. Frank, have you uh, been able to talk to Adam at all in the past few weeks and, and does he want to play another season? I have not talked to him in the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, there was a time right before we got kicked out of the building, I, I saw him in there doing some rehab, it seemed to be going well. Um, so I, I think I, my conversations with Adam have just been normal stuff. What's going on? I mean, quick walking by in the training room or something like that. So um, no decision there yet at this point. You know, really out of respect for Adam, we, Chris and I just talked about wanting to let Adam get a little further down the rehab process and to make a determination about, you know, and then, and then have, have a sit down with Adam and see where he's at once he's a little further along in the rehab process. All right. And then last question here, Mike Wells. Hey, Frank, uh, we, we've talked a lot about Philip and uh, Jacoby, obviously, and DeForest, but you guys released uh, Pierre, brought in Xavier. When you look at Xavier, considering the youth you have at the, at the uh, cornerback spot, what do you expect for him to bring on the field and also in the locker room with the young guys you have? Yeah, it was really tough. Let, it was really tough parting ways with Pierre. I mean, baller paid man of the year. I mean, this is he's a, he was a cult through and through, but – um, a lot of factors going to every decision. That was a tough one. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, but we move on. This is the NFL. It is a business. You, 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 have to, you have to be able to feel that way about a player but not be too sentimental and always do ultimately what you think is the best thing for the team. And so, you know, going forward, we're, we're excited about Xavier. I've, I've coached against Xavier several times. This guy's long. He's tough. He's physical. Um, he's got good leadership. Um, you know, we really think he'll come in and, and make an impact and he'll have a chance to obviously, you know, we'll give him the respect that is due. Um, but he's got to earn it just like everybody else. He's got to earn it just like everybody else. We really are excited about, um, you know, where we're going on defense with, you know, with the ad addition of DeForest and, you know, with our young players and our young defense. I think we've made some moves there that are really going to help us uh, both with starters and some depth going forward that can help our defense to take the next step. So that was Colts head coach Frank Reich talking uh, at length about what the Colts are going through this offseason. A lot of changes with uh, the, the times right now trying to, as you always do in the NFL, get a leg up on the competition, um, trying to be better digital meeting guys, be 1% better at meeting digitally than than the rest of the league. And that'll hopefully let you get a leg up whenever finally uh, things are kind of back to normal. But uh, Mike, obviously the main topic of what, uh, what Reich's discussion, Reich's time with the media there was, was, was mostly about Phillip Rivers and adding him to, to the fold for, for this year, for one year. Um, what did you take away from, uh, from Coach Reich's discussion is maybe one or two top bullet points that, that Colts fans should pay attention to? Well, one, he tried to explain to us the type of player person he is, unselfish, committed, not a stat patter. You know, he, he said he's going to do what it takes to win. And, and you know, and then he addressed the uh, interceptions. He said 20 were, were unacceptable. And then he said, but I, I look at him on, on why they came, how, how they came. This is a guy that's not going to take the check down. He's going to look to, be, to me making plays. So, you know, the, and they really expect the interceptions to, to, to fall. But he made it very clear that, he looked at every throw that this guy's made the last two years, leaves in his heart, in his quarterback eye, that there are no, there's no physical drop-off. He thinks he can make all the throws. So he's convinced 
that this guy has another year, two years, whatever, whatever it is to play at, at a high level. You know, he's, we, we can argue in, in the future whether he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. We'll see. The Colts don't need a Hall of Fame quarterback. They need a guy who can play the position, make those four or five plays a game that too often did not make. Uh, and, and we'll see. The, the, the only thing I'd say is, and it sounds kind of simple, but it's either going to work or it won't. I mean, we're, we're going to know, I think, in September whether Rivers is the guy that the Colts believe he is. Uh, I, I, I'm not comparing him at all, please. But I remember when they brought Kerry Collins in here several years ago, and you thought, well, maybe. And it took about one quarter to say the guy was done. That's not this at all. But I, I, I think there was a lot of uh, gray area with Philip Rivers. If he can still play, we're going to see it. Uh, and, and that's what the Colts are hoping for. If Philip Rivers is what they believe he is, this is a playoff team. I won't go any further than that. I mean, I, I'm not saying Kansas City, Baltimore level yet, but he would be good enough to get them in the playoffs. And we certainly hope that that it is September that, that we can find out about that, if not even sooner, but uh, to be determined on, on so many fronts. But one thing that is not to be determined, we here will keep bringing you the Colts Blue Zone podcast for Dad Gummond as long as we're able. So uh, we thank you for listening once again. You can uh, subscribe to the Colts Blue Zone podcast to get this delivered to your listening device week after week. Also follow us on Twitter for Colts news throughout the week. You can uh, follow us at, at Colts Blue Zone. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Mike is at mchapel51 and Joe is at Roto Street Joe. So once again, thank you for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we will see you next week.